Would you take your Bibles now and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, please, for the message. A lady in a church was fumbling in her purse for her offering when a large television remote fell out, made some noise, and ended up in the church aisle like we have here. The curious usher bent over to retrieve it for her, and the usher whispered. He whispered to her, do you always carry your TV remote to church? No, she replied, no. But my husband refused to come to church with me this morning, <laughs> and I figured that taking the TV remote was the most evil thing I could do to him legally. <laughs> Amen. During the Apostle Paul's third missionary journey, Paul had collected money for the very poor Christians in the city of Jerusalem. The churches in Macedonia, such as in the cities of Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea, had given money even though they were poor. They were very, very poor. And they had sacrificially given more than the Apostle Paul had expected. He was totally surprised how generous they were. And by the way, Macedonia in the first century was what is the northern part of Greece today. And some of you know that I was actually born in the northern part of Greece. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 8, please. The first part here says, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints, that is, to the believers in Jerusalem. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge, in complete earnestness and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Verse 10, and here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. 
For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality, as it is written, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this part of your holy Bible. And Lord, I pray that you would take the Bible verses and the truth that is contained herein. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to get a grasp of it and to, and to reflect upon it and to impact our lives as we share this truth for these moments. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The title, the title of uh, today's message is really very simple, Reasons to Praise the Lord. As I read and as I read the portion of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I discover many reasons to praise the Lord personally and to praise Him as I reflect upon you, our church family. And the first, the first reason to praise him is, is this. Praise the Lord for your generosity. The Apostle Paul was expressing thanksgiving and praise for the generosity that these dear people in Macedonia had expressed. In uh, verses 1 through 3, he says, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Now, for those of you who are always wondering about the reasons behind some things, the reason, the reason the Macedonian Christians had gone through a severe uh, trial financially was most likely because the Roman government had taken possession of the gold and silver mines in the area. And uh, a lot of the people in those areas, including Christians, had worked in the mines and they were very dependent, they had been very dependent upon, upon their earnings from those mines, but the Roman government uh, got a hold of those mines and wanted to benefit, wanted to prosper from them. And so that was probably one of the reasons why a lot of the Christians were affected and, and uh, found themselves in, in greater need. In verse 2, notice, notice it says extreme poverty, or depending, this is the, the uh, New International Version, whatever translation you might have in front of you, it says either they were experiencing extreme poverty or they were very, very poor. And uh, in verse 2 where it says they had extreme poverty, the Greek word translated extreme really means rock bottom. I mean, they were having a real tough time. They were rock bottom, so to speak. Now, hopefully, we do not find ourselves in this situation, but regardless of who we are, 
regardless of who we are, most of us could use some more funds for our own purposes. Is that right? Right. All right. I thought so. Well, we want to give God thanks and praise because we know, we know that although most of us can easily spend money on ourselves, many of you have across this year and across the years that have passed, many of you have faithfully been giving tithes and offerings. Many of you have been giving to world missions to support our missionaries and to our mortgage fund. Uh, you've been helping people. We've been helping people. In the past couple of Sundays, a lot of you gave to help with the relief efforts where the hurricane hit hard in the Caribbean. And today, of course, many of you will be taking the Operation Christmas Child boxes. Uh, hundreds of you will be taking these boxes and bringing them back full, and those boxes will bring a lot of joy to boys and girls in needy world areas, and we give God thanks for your participation in these ways and in other ways, ways in which you are and we are being a blessing. Next Sunday, next Sunday, we are asking you to uh, please turn in your mortgage fund pledge card, to turn in your mortgage fund pledge card, and you can see that in your program, in your bulletin, uh, indicating what you will give each month from now to the end of September of 2017. And as we've said before, we have a congregational goal for our mortgage fund of giving $21,000 per month to help pay our church monthly mortgages. And gradually, we've been making progress over these years after building this beautiful facility. And we want to say thank you. Thank you for the generous pledge which many of you have made in the past. Thank you for the generous pledge which you will be making next Sunday. And if you know, of course, that perhaps you know that you can't be present next Sunday, feel free to submit your pledge uh, today and, um, and uh, whatever is, is suitable for you. Someone once said, someone once said, Plenty of people are willing to give God credit, yet few are willing to give him cash. Well, praise the Lord. You and I are willing to do both. We're willing to do both, and we say praise the Lord for your generosity, a generosity that was beautifully, uh, beautifully demonstrated by the Macedonian Christians that Paul is referring to here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Then secondly, secondly, we want to say praise the Lord for your beautiful attitude or your beautiful spirit about giving. In verses 3 and 4, it says entirely on their own. That is entirely on their, meaning the Macedonian Christians, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. Now, if you're using a new, new uh, living translation, verses 3 and 4 say this. They say, For I can testify that they, the Macedonian believers, that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. He says, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. Well, it's incredible. It's really marvelous how the Christians in the Macedonian churches 
had such a beautiful attitude about being a generous giver. And I, I want to praise God. I want to praise God for the many of you who also have a wonderful spirit of giving. Now, it's possible that some of you haven't, haven't yet had the right and beautiful spirit about giving, but I believe that as we reflect upon 2 Corinthians, as we reflect upon the spirit and the attitude of these early Christians, more and more of us will be inspired and encouraged to say, you know what? Those early believers are inspiring me to also have a beautiful spirit about giving, giving, and I will change for the better. Amen? Amen. A man, a man died and went to heaven. He was at the pearly gates. He was at the pearly gates by St. Peter, who led him down the golden streets. And as he was led down the golden streets, this man passed stately homes, beautiful stately homes and marvelous mansions until they came to the end of the street where they stopped in front of a rundown cabin. It was a little shack. The man asked, the man asked St. Peter why he got a hut when there were so many mansions that they passed. Why he got a hut when, when there were so many mansions he could live in. And St. Peter replied, I did the best. I did the best with the money you sent us. <laughs> All right. Here's a third truth. We want to say, praise the Lord for the fact that your giving is an expression of your commitment and trust in the Lord. Verse 5 says, let's read it in unison from the big screen, and they, Macedonian believers, did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. What exactly is that saying? Well, I believe it's saying that we give because we are committed. For those of you who are making notes, that would be A. We give because we are committed. We also understand that King David said, hundreds of years earlier, King David said, everything comes from you, the Lord, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. That's First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 14. Dr. Melvin McCullough writes, For the Christian, the generous giving of money never comes first. It begins with giving of ourselves. If a person is partial in his or her consecration to Christ, then he will tend to be stingy in the giving of his resources. That's soul-searching, isn't it? That's soul-searching. We give because we are committed. But also, point B is, we give because we trust in the Lord for our future needs. Now, I want you to really follow me on this because this, this really excites me. This, this really, really excited me and still excites me. It excited me when I, first, when I first picked up this truth and it excites me this morning. 
I picked up this idea of trust from a commentary by Dr. Philip Hughes, who talks in his book, who talks of how the Macedonian Christians were willing to give so generously in the present because they could depend or trust in the Lord to meet their own personal needs in the future. And I thought, wow, how true it is. That's exciting. They could depend or they could trust in the Lord to meet their own personal needs in the future. And I, I said to myself, it would be easy. It would be easy for me to feel like I need to hold on to every dollar that I can because who knows when I'll need it in the future, right? And after I read Dr. Hughes' paragraph in his book, I said to myself, yes, we give because we trust. We trust in the Lord for our future needs. One of the greatest uh, blessings for me personally about making our annual pledge to our mortgage fund, or uh, years ago we, we made uh, our pledges to our building fund, or we called it expansion fund. One of my greatest blessings is that I have gradually learned more and more to trust in the Lord for my family's future needs. Now, here, here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. Back in the year 2000, 16 years ago, back in the year 2000, we were raising money to build this beautiful church building. We were preparing to, to construct. And a lot of you will remember that in the year 2000, we had a three-year stewardship campaign followed by three more three-year stewardship campaigns and back, back in the year 2000, we asked for all of us in our church to pray and seek God's direction as to what each of us should pledge towards our building program for the first three years. And soon, soon the Lord made it very clear to my wife and I what our three-year pledge needed to be, which for us turned out to be a very huge amount. It was a very large amount for us. We had a large monthly mortgage to pay on our own house, where we have lived now for 27 years. Plus, of course, as anyone else, we also had regular living expenses and the knowledge that in a few years our two children would be going to university. Now, I can honestly say that for me personally, since the year 2000, probably the biggest blessing I have experienced by making three-year pledges and in more recent years making the one-year or annual pledges is that I have learned to trust in the Lord for our family's future needs, and I've learned to trust in the Lord to help us give what we pledged initially to our building fund and in more recent years to what we call our church mortgage 
pledge. And it's been a process of, of learning for me. It's been, a, it's been learning to trust in the Lord. Are you with me now? And for many of you, it has been a, a journey of learning to trust. And so I just want to say that when you and I make, when you make your mortgage fund pledge next Sunday, I want to encourage you to enter a new journey of trust, a journey of trust. Amen? Let me take you to a fourth truth, and it is this. Praise the Lord because I believe we will put our good intentions into good action. And this truth comes from verses 6 and 11. Verse 6 says, So we urge Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. To bring to completion this act of grace. And verse 11 says, Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. Uh, let me explain. Apparently, about a year earlier, the Christians in Corinth, the city of Corinth, had said they were going to give to the cause of helping the Christians in Jerusalem where there was such poverty. But the months went by, and they never got around to it. They meant good, but they never got around to it. I read a paragraph in Dr. William Barclay's book on Corinthians that is so true. Dr. Barclay says this. He says, Paul stresses the necessity of putting fine feeling into fine action. The Corinthians had been the first to feel the appeal. But a feeling, he says, but a feeling which remains only a feeling, a pity which remains a pity only of the heart, a fine desire that never turns into a fine deed is a sadly truncated and frustrated thing. The tragedy of life so often is not that we have no high impulses, but that we fail to turn them into actions. Did you get that? He says, the tragedy of life so often is not that we have no high impulses, but that we fail to turn them into actions. And how true that often is. I want to praise the Lord because I believe we will put our good intentions, and we have been putting our good intentions into good action. Here's a fifth truth. Fifth truth is this. Praise the Lord because you understand that giving is a vital part of the Christian life. This uh, truth comes from verse 7 and 9. To begin with, we discover from these verses uh, that giving adds to our wholeness. Verse 7 says, why don't you read it out loud from the big screen with me? But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. 
See that you also excel in this area. I, I wasn't sure how to say it exactly, but I believe we could summarize it as saying, giving adds to our wholeness as a person, to our wholeness as a Christian, or giving makes us more well-rounded people or more complete people. Now, you might be wondering why, why Paul says what he does in verse 7. Here's maybe why he says what he does. I can imagine that maybe, maybe he had a, a conversation with some of the people in Corinth in which their discussion went something like this. Uh, someone maybe said to him, Pastor Paul, Pastor Paul, listen, man, we got faith. We believe God can do great things on his own. Don't bother about us. Uh, don't bother us about giving generously to help those, uh, those believers in Jerusalem. Don't bother us about that. God can watch over. God can take care of them. Let God do his thing. Or maybe someone else said to Paul, someone maybe said, look, Paul, we excel, we really are good in, in speech and in knowledge, which maybe is a reference to their ability to preach and teach. And others maybe said, look, Pastor Paul, we excel in earnestness. Uh, at least we're really eager to come to church where we're faithful, we're here every Sunday. Someone else maybe said, we excel in our love for you, Pastor Paul. Uh, uh, isn't that good? We, we, you know we love you, Paul. We, you're our buddy. We love you very much. And I, I suppose, I suppose it's a little bit, it's a little bit like some of us saying, hey, I, I attend church, I teach Sunday school, or I help in caravans, or I do this or that, and there's no need for me to be a generous giver. I still remember how some years back, um, a well-off person in, in another church, a long ways from here, uh, surprisingly, surprisingly said to me, something like this, that dear person said, you know, I help out in my local church with my time, and, and so I, you know, I do this and that in, in my church, and so this person said, I, I don't feel I need to give financially. So I had a nice discussion with that person trying to help them see the light. But the, the, the bottom line is, some of the Christians in Corinth probably had a little bit of that kind of a thinking pattern. And so Paul says to them and to us in verse 7, he says, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. You're good in these other areas, it's wonderful, but, but become more wholesome, become more complete. See also that you excel in this grace of giving. Amen? Uh, briefly look at um, verse, verse 9, which, which takes us kind of like to point B, and that is that giving, giving is Christ-like. Giving is Christ-like. Verse 9 says, let's read it in unison. Do we have uh, verse 9 on the front screen? Okay, there we are. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Read it out with me that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. One author says, Paul cites the example of Jesus Christ. For Paul, the sacrifice of Jesus did not begin on the cross. It did not even begin with the birth. It began in heaven when he laid his glory by and consented to come to earth. Paul's challenge to the Christian is, 
with that tremendous example of generosity before you, how can you hold back? That's what the Paul, that's what the Apostle Paul was saying. With the incredible generosity of Jesus in front of you, how can you hold back? And so essentially, we discover that generosity is a part of Christ-likeness. That's reality. Here's a sixth beautiful truth, and it is this. Praise God. The Lord will give you a variety of blessings for your faithfulness. And this truth comes a little bit later in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 9, actually, verses uh, 6 through 9, where we, read, where we read these verses. Those verses say, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. And then if you were to read Luke chapter 6, verse 38, that beautiful verse says, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, I want all of us to know that we do not, we do not present a prosperity gospel, but we do believe that God honors and blesses generous people. May the Lord, may the Lord continue to honor you and to bless you as you show your generosity your generosity towards your family, towards friends, towards strangers, your generosity towards people at work or at school, your generosity towards the local work of this local church. To God be the glory. God blesses generous people. Praise his holy name. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we are thankful. We're thankful for the many reasons to express our praise to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. We're thankful, Lord, for these beautiful truths. We're thankful for the example of those Christians in the Macedonian churches. And we give you thanks and praise for the wonderful spirit of generosity so many people in this congregation, Rosewood Church of the Nazarene, have shown across the years. Thank you, Lord, for the generosity of people giving to, to help with the relief efforts because of the hurricane recently. Thank you, Lord, for the generosity of people taking these, these Christmas boxes that will bring so much joy to boys and girls in needy world areas. 
Thank you, Lord, for the generosity of our people as we prepare to make our annual pledge for our mortgage fund next Sunday. We give you thanks for the generous attitude, the generous spirit, and we marvel and express our praises to you for your blessings, for your blessings upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.